listeners, and welcome to Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate is a weekly podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends, the monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and everything in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. Everyone has ambitions. Secret or not-so-secret, there are goals that one could conceivably work towards, and then there are goals that might need a little outside intervention. These goals are called wishes, and the world is full of them. There are annual festivals in many countries in which wishes are written down in hopes they'll be granted, a bone that grants wishes in every turkey, wishes made on stars and eyelashes and January 1st and birthday cake. Even Amazon has a wish list function. But maybe you've tried all the conventional methods, and you're still no closer to winning the lottery. Have you considered maybe asking a monster for help? There are a number of creatures you can turn to to make your dreams come true. Witches will cast a spell, for a price. You might be able to steal some wealth from a dragon, though this is very rude. And if you're really desperate, you could always try summoning a demon. Demons will fulfill wishes, but it's usually at the cost of your soul, so I'd be careful with that one. Now, you may be thinking, wait, what about a genie? Jinn have also gotten a reputation for granting wishes because of stories like Aladdin. But those jinn were captured and bound to objects by King Solomon using a magic ring. So, unless you too have a ring that can capture and subjugate invisible beings made of fire to your will, you're definitely out of luck on that one. Trust me, I'll be doing a whole episode on jinn and why you should leave them alone in the future. Instead, we could try fishing for wish-granters. Literally. There are many accounts of fish, turtles, and mermaids that, if caught with a fishing rod or a net, may grant a wish in exchange for being released. Stories of sea creatures that grant wishes are spread throughout the world, but if you want to narrow your search a little, I'd suggest fishing for golden European flounder in Germany and diamond sturgeon in Russia. Just try not to be too greedy. In Russian folklore, giant diamond sturgeon are considered to be magical, because in a sturgeon, the bigger the fish, the older the fish, and presumably the more magical. I can see the logic. Sturgeon are in a classification of fish that, if you didn't know what it was called, you'd probably call it a sea monster. It also doesn't hurt that the average lifespan of sturgeons is 50 to 60 years, which is an awfully long time for any animal. Generally, to have a sturgeon grant your wish, you have to catch it. But, assuming you want a more magical 50 to 60-year-old sturgeon, you have your work cut out for you. Mature diamond sturgeons can grow to an impressive 93 inches or 235 centimeters long and can weigh about 254 pounds or 115 kilograms. It's going to be a heck of a fight to catch one on the end of a fishing rod. Plus, it's also now a crime. Diamond sturgeon mature and reproduce so slowly that they're actually classified as critically endangered. So, if you somehow manage to catch a sturgeon, maybe throw it back and wish no one saw you. Luckily, the European flounder is not endangered, and you'll only be fishing for one specific fish, which is much easier to explain to authorities. The most well-known story of a fish that grants a wish is the fisherman and his wife. In this story, a poor German fisherman accidentally catches a golden flounder in his net, and the flounder tells the fisherman that he is an enchanted prince with magical powers, and also a fish that can talk, 
and begs the fisherman to release him back into the sea. The fisherman is understandably spooked, because have you ever seen a flounder? Both eyes on the right side of their body, swim sideways, unnecessarily flat, and so he lets the flounder go and goes home. When the poor fisherman tells his wife about the talking fish, though, she is way less afraid of magical creatures than any German fairy tale peasant has any right to be, and demands her husband go find the fish and force it to grant her a wish for a nicer home. The fisherman, understandably more afraid of his fearless wife than the fish, goes back to the sea and lures the flounder back using a method irresistible to all fairy tale creatures a rhyme. The flounder, no longer resting camouflaged in the sand to avoid predators, is a little grumpy and the waves get a little rough, but he grants the wish. The fact that this fish controls not only the weather, but also has the power to materialize something out of nothing, is not a deterrent to the fisherman's wife. And so she asks the fisherman to ask the fish god for more extravagant things. She wishes for a palace. She wishes to become queen, to command the sun and the moon and the heavens. And by the time she wishes to become god, the flounder prince has whipped up such a terrible storm that the fisherman almost gets blown away. Luckily for Germany's coastline, though, the fish is, ultimately, only a magic fish and can't grant the wish to make the wife a god, so it undoes all the previous wishes and puts the fisherman and his wife back in a hovel by the sea. Which begs two questions. One, if the fish can undo your wish at will, what's to stop it from undoing a wish as soon as it's released? And two, if the wishes can be undone at all, is it a conscious effort of the fish to maintain the wishes? And if so, what happens when the fish dies? The average flounder only lives for three to ten years. Based on the uncertainty of the permanence of fish magic, I'd suggest that if your wish is a little ambitious, maybe don't try ransoming a fish. Maybe try popping over to Ireland and ransoming a leprechaun instead. While everyone else is after their gold, which honestly is really just gold that people buried during wars and that leprechauns dug up and subsequently appropriated, you'll be after their wishes, which you can get by lying down on a beach and falling asleep. Seriously. In the earliest account of leprechauns, the king of Ulster falls asleep on a beach, minding his own business, and wakes up to find himself being dragged into the sea by three leprechauns, who are just so random like that, such pranksters, leprechauns. He somehow catches all three leprechauns, and they each grant him a wish on the condition he'll release them. I say somehow because unlike what Lucky and the Notre Dame leprechaun have led you to believe, leprechauns are human-sized and very feisty. I mean, the first ever account of leprechauns have them dragging a guy they found on the beach into the ocean. For fun. Not only that, but if you're looking for a small creature wearing green, you'll probably have even less luck, or you'll find something more dangerous. Leprechauns primarily wear red, and their outfits vary from region to region. In the north, leprechauns wear, quote, military red coat and white breeches, with a broad-brimmed, high-pointed hat, on which he would sometimes stand upside down. In Tipperary, leprechauns wore an antique slashed jacket of red, with peaks all round and a jockey cap, also sporting a sword, which he uses as a magic wand. 
and Carrie, the leprechaun, is a fat, pursy little fellow, whose jolly round face rivals in redness the cutaway jacket he wears, that always has seven rows of seven buttons in each row. And the most dangerous type of leprechaun, the Clericon of Monagon, wore a swallowtail evening coat of red with a green vest, white breeches, and black stockings, shiny shoes, and a long cone hat without a brim, which is sometimes used as a weapon. Of course, these fashions are from 1888, so by now leprechaun wardrobe may have updated a bit. The best way I would suggest to find a leprechaun is to go to an old Irish cobbler that wears a lot of red, apparently all leprechauns are good at shoemaking and repair, and offer him a bowl of lucky charms. If he tries to deck you, he's probably a leprechaun, so all you have to do now is fight an angry cobbler with magic powers into submission. No big. Once you've captured your leprechaun, though, treat the wording of your ransom wish very carefully. Leprechauns are characterized as solitary trickster fairies who are not wholly good nor wholly evil. Plus, they're probably not going to be thrilled to have to use their magic to grant the wish of a person who's just pinned them to the floor. Luckily, it seems like leprechaun magic is more permanent than fish magic, so whatever you wish for, good or bad, it'll probably stay. If you're uncomfortable with all this ransoming, there is one final creature I can suggest. It's not going to be easy, though. Our final wish-granting monster is the Capre, a Philippine tree giant. Described as 7 to 9 feet tall, with dark brown to black skin, the Capre makes its home in big trees in the forest, specifically acacia, mango, bamboo, and banyan trees. While it usually hangs out at the tops of these trees smoking a cigar, it can also occasionally be found sitting under these trees, also smoking a cigar. It really likes cigars. In fact, a good way to tell if a capre is in an area of forest is an overabundance of fireflies, which are thought to actually be embers from the capre's smoking habit. What you're after, though, is what the capre is holding in its hand besides the cigar. Capres sometimes also hold small, magical white stones, about the size of a quail's egg. If you can get the stone, the capre will grant you an unspecified number of wishes. Like I said, though, it's not going to be easy. In addition to this creature being really tall, one of its other magical items is a belt that makes it invisible to humans at will. The capre is also another one of those neutrally aligned creatures, so while it isn't evil, one of its favorite pastimes is playing pranks, generally by using its powers to make travelers lost or disoriented in the mountains or the woods, or at home. The capre can also disorient people in their own familiar environments, and someone who forgets that they're in their own garden or home is considered to be pranked by a capre. Like I said, though, it's not an evil creature. Capres may make contact with humans to offer friendship, or even fall in love, which will solve the invisible belt issue. Apparently, love neutralizes magic, and if one befriends a capre, then that person will have the ability to always see it, even with the magic belt. Furthermore, if said person sits on their capre of choice, this dispels the invisibility magic entirely, and other people are able to see the capre, which will come in handy on your travels, because if a capre befriends a human, especially because of love, the capre will follow its love interests for the rest of their life. So, at that point, maybe you could just ask for the wishes. After all, who doesn't try to grant the wishes of their SO? Or, maybe you don't even need the wishes anymore. 
and the Capre and you discover the real magic was the friends you made along the way. That's all for wish-granting creatures. I hope you enjoyed this motley crew of magical creatures, and if you're curious about any of these stories, check the show notes to find out more. Intro and outro music is by Scott Effington. Also, still looking for an audio editor. Come on, I know you're out there somewhere. Don't make me fish for you. Seriously, because if you're a sturgeon, it's illegal. Lastly, if you like what you heard, please rate and review on iTunes, or consider donating to our Patreon. Every little bit helps, and more support means I'm more motivated to do the best job I can to bring you more monsters. Thank you for listening, and remember, anyone can be a monster.